This is episode 151 of the A News Podcast, which covers anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on Anarchist News. It's designed to be useful to anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast at anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. Editorial. Theory, private, and public. The recent interview with organizers of the Green Scare Anarchist Book Fair on Uncivilized Podcast left me with a number of thoughts concerning what internet, media, even of the alternative or anarchist variety, does to events and ideas. The case of the Uncivilized Podcast, I think, shows the capacity of people to talk past the actual parties involved for a wider audience, but surely this has happened in most forms of media past and present. What I want to focus on more are the writings associated with the interviewees, particularly Flowerbomb, as they appear to be the most prolific of the bunch. The longer pieces I've read by them, in my opinion, illustrate a certain split between something like public and private theory nicely, those two pieces being what savages we must be, vegans without morality, and descending into madness an anarchist nihilist diary of anti-psychiatry. In the first piece, I see an example that was pressed into something like set concrete, scare quotes, theory in order to present it to a mass audience and be taken seriously, when in reality the piece seems fairly incohate at best, i.e. filled with assertions. In the second piece, I see something like personal theory, not only in the sense that it is, in fact, a personal story, but also as it mostly leaves out the hard man pseudo-militant assertions. I see this split as an example of how mass audience, made immediately available by modern internet technologies, changes the desired interaction with a piece of media, and thus also its form. I've heard from both currently reading Nikon, but also just from people in general, that there was once a time when DIY denoted not only a type of production, but also a form of interaction enabled by that production. Primarily that people creating zines, music, texts, etc. in a scene expected them to be read by others who were creating as well, and thus hoped for a kind of response and engagement. Of course, harkening back to halcyon days when people gave a damn is always problematic, but let's assume that it was at least partly the case. I imagine that perhaps most of the limited number of people who were going to consume the media produced were going to do so, at least somewhat critically, with the intent of responding. This response might have just been a precursor to a Facebook like, but odds are that there would also be engagement meant to poke and prod the author and their ideas, to find weak points, burst bubbles when necessary, and if not everything had to be thrown out, to start refining something approaching theory. The argument made by M. DuPont, and with which I agree, is that current modes of engagement with radical material primarily amount to consumption, both on the part of producer and audience. This dynamic is precisely what I see in What Savages We Must Be, as the author throws around a lot of language from the theory they've consumed in a way that is at certain times uncritical and others just coherent. Added to this is a lack of engagement which shows to me that the audience it reaches ingests the piece in a cycle of consumption, assertion, consumption, rather than critical engagement. Granted, it is entirely possible that engagement happens in places I'm not privy to, but I can only know what I know. In Descending into Madness, I see the potential for something like an older version of radical storytelling, with only some of the strange, underdefined theoretical terms thrown in, because... reasons. With the offering of a personal narrative that only lightly fits into some kind of theoretical argument, Flowerbomb offers a story to an audience, rather than lobbing theory at them. Perhaps in some ways this is another form of avoiding engagement. Who wants to argue against experience? 
but it also seems to invite a gentler form of discussion of perhaps challenging the conclusions an author has come to when analyzing their life rather than either side simply doubling down on being right or wrong. But then again, what do I know? I'm in savage mode. I'm in savage mode. I'm in savage mode. I'm in savage mode. I'm a savage Johnny Ho. Savage Johnny Ho. Savage Johnny Ho. I'm a savage Johnny Ho. What's new this week? From Anarchist Prisoner, Sohail Arabi. From Azranarchism.com. Anarchist prisoners sometimes have more support than non-anarchist prisoners. It is not uncommon for them to use their increased access to the outside world to share the stories of those who don't have such access. So Heal here tells of arrests and imprisonment of someone he's inside with. He ends with this quote. But the most important thing is that prison, while bad and destructive, is not the worst. At least for a fighter, it's not the worst place. Not only is prison not capable of destroying a fighter, but it can make us stronger and more determined. And an anarchist not only eradicates oppression and corruption, but destroys borders and walls. Thus, the powers are real. The losers and the tools they use to torture us will be the tools of their own destruction. They convicted me here with the intention of punishing me. They didn't know that I wanted to be with these freedom-seeking youths and to share my experiences with them." Unquote. This is the view of prison that self-respecting anarchists should adopt. Yes, I said should. Critical Reflections on Solidarity and Recent Rail Disruptions, Ontario, Canada, from North Shore. Reporting on multiple responses and encouraging more to the call-out for railway disruptions in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en. It also takes issue with previous call-outs on North Shore for attempting to guilt-trip people and getting into the flows of solidarity and what it means to work with organized groups that are not our own. Whatever our own means. It gets complicated, yo! Quote, Solidarity is a dialogue, with action answering action, and the lack of clarity around the changed terms of the struggle contributed to a breakdown in this communication. The lack of clarity disappeared with the expulsion of CGL last month and the multiplication of calls to action. The rhythm of solidarity since has been constant. This speaks to the difference between solidarity and support. Solidarity occurs in a context of dialogue through action between different groups in struggle. Those groups recognize each other as struggling towards compatible ideas of freedom and act in reference to each other so as to build a form of collective strength. Support implies a single actor and then others who are in secondary positions contributing to a struggle mostly waged by others." Unquote. This piece asks all the right questions. Good job. Fugitive anarchist comrades G. Michaelitis and K. Athanasopoulou captured by anti-terrorist police from Anarchists Worldwide. God damn it. Last week it was De Silva, this week it's these two, and a quote, unnamed woman. Nicolaitis escaped from prison and Athanasopoulou jumped bail for a life beyond their constraints. Roundtable from Another World is Possible to the Possible End of the World, 1999 to 2019. From Outside the Circle by Cindy Milstein. Outside the Circle seems to be Cindy's blog. This is a talk between her, Aaron Lakoff, and Charmaine Collin for the magazine Upping the Ante. The talk is a reflection of the past 20 years of organizing by three social anarchists who reflect fondly, for example, on marching past rich people's houses, chanting against capitalism, and arguing now for more internationalism and more independent media. The most interesting part is probably the older woman talking about simple skills that people don't have anymore like how to deal with being pepper sprayed, also how internationalism is a tactic against despair. That is so telling, right? Cindy's talk at the end starts down some paths that could be engaging, but ends by putting up identity fences to keep readers on the same over-traveled roads. Sad. 
Positive Anarchy, Profusion, Uncertainty, and the Uses of History from Libertarian Labyrinth. One of the great things about Sean is that he staunchly rejects easy answers. Some of us can't come to that position from the path of philosophy, but he comes to it through history, or at least that's how he examines the questions he's interested in. Okay, it's a false duality, fine. And history of the detailed, careful sort that he revels in is a language that is alien and provocative and daunting. I am never going to be one of Sean's good readers, but he deserves a solid pool of people who read him carefully and generously and maybe poke him back a little. Quote, Proudhon's works are another lost continent, though obviously of considerably less extent than the ones we're starting to explore. His works, taken as a whole and including the published works, correspondence, manuscripts, notebooks, etc., are, even for most of us, who insist on building them into their ideological foundations, that sort of teeming and potentially threatening unknown particularly when seen through the common lenses of partisan emphasis, with the most troubling elements constantly dragged to the fore. For the critic who wants to be done with Proudhon, I, see, I think the answer to the question we've posed is simple enough. This is a landscape to be cleared, an edifice to be raised, with just enough preserved to remind us of why it was necessary to obliterate the rest. But how different is the advocate of partial appropriation, who wants to make use of a bit here or there that seems useful to their defense of communism, the cooperative movement, etc.? How different are all those who have wanted both the phrase property is theft and the authority of the figure behind it, but have associated them with just about everything except the specific account of exploitation found in what is property, unquote. We've all asked that in one way or another, right? The Trotskyist School of Falsification from Anarchist Writers by Anarcho. This review of a reprint of a book by ex-anarchist Victor Serge is the kind of thing I wish Anarcho would write all the time, because, while his account of history isn't entirely trustworthy, one assumes, it's significantly more anarchist-friendly than Trotskyists or Leninists. About the foreword by Richard Greeman, he says, quote, Sadly, we cannot expect Greeman to do this, the closest this work has to an editor. He proclaims in his foreword that this book is an authentic historical document, which, although clearly written from a Marxist perspective, attempts to be rigorously objective and remains the best initiation to the revolutionary history of the 20th century, for it is an authentic, authoritative, accessible, revolutionary classic. As will be shown, it is few of these things, as it is hardly objective and makes numerous claims which appear to suggest one thing, but which, by omission, actually mean their opposite. For if the Stalinists mainly utilized invention for their falsehoods, the Trotskyists mainly utilize omission." Unquote. He goes on to list many of the omissions. He says that this book is relevant to review because Trotskyists are still using the same reasoning today, but the current examples he notes are by people who are, for example, defending the slaughter at the Kronstadt. Some of us have left those conversational minds, but maybe we're still benefiting from other people getting that kind of black lung? I don't know. Night Forest Journal Issue 2. Poems, new and reprinted, short stories, two photos, a handful of essays from quite a few people, just going by names, which is of course entirely unreliable in this day and age. But it's pretty safe to say that Julian Langer, Flowerbaum, Ramon Alani, Pierce by Shelley, and Novatore are different people, at least. Quote, how is it that the very substance of life itself, the soil, the mud, the dust, the soot, the debris, the earth, became the primary metaphor assigned to anarchists? Given that the descriptor, dirty anarchist, is intended to be derogatory, and most anarchists feel their persuasions are positive and their actions affirmative, one might assume that there would be a significant resistance against such a characterization. Should anarchists attempt to wash away the sins of defamation to somehow cleanse the anarchist ideal of this representation? I resolutely answer no. Let us instead rethink what it means to be dirty. Quote, 
That's from Dirty Anarchist, the first essay. BAR Book Forum, Cindy Milstein's Paths Toward Utopia, from Black Agenda Report, which is a site of, quote, news, commentary, and analysis from the Black left, unquote. Cindy answers questions about her newest book, which has the subtitle Graphic Explorations of Everyday Anarchism, and is a collection of images and writings on things that people do every day that anticipate and or are based in anarchist principles. Cindy calls the book a needed reminder of our collective ethical responsibility as a species. So there you have it. Update on Eric King's confinement from supportericking.org. This is a much more extensive post than normal with a lot of detail about how the system has been jerking Eric and his partner around in ways that are arbitrary, stupid, and cruel to even higher levels than the ones that are the default. And how scary it is to talk about it since the prison people are punitive and vengeful. One of the bottom lines is that he still hasn't gotten new glasses after over a year, which has meant he can't read or respond to much of the mail that he's gotten. Presumably, once he can see again, he'll be back in touch as much as he can. In the meantime, until you hear differently, write big and send clearly visible comics. He's also requesting magazine subscriptions, so email them about how to hook that up. Rhea's response to Bellamy, Zerzan, and Steve Kirk condemning vegan primitivism from Vegan Primitivist by Rhea. Here, Rhea takes points one by one as brought up in the recent conversation thumbnailed later in this podcast on Oak Journal. This is the kind of aggravating conversation that I, Jackie, have absolutely no patience for. Lighter Hard speaks for me in the posts, except that by participating in it, they don't speak for me at all. Veganism can be a cool thing, it can also suck. Ideology is a dangerous road to start down, either pro or anti. Let us move on, and that goes devil for all you thirsty-sounding creepers who show up for these threads. Pre-trial detention of anarchist comrade Azat Mitztikov extended from Anarchist Worldwide. A graduate student in mathematics is arrested apparently because his friends threw a smoke bomb. He is then tortured with a screwdriver and is now being kept in prison for no apparent reason, all without even the facade of a trial. There is a solidarity website for him in both Russian and English. Unemployed anarchist drug users tell Indu financial services to piss off from Anarchist Worldwide. Quote, on November 15, 2019, unemployed anarchist drug users in the notoriously conservative city of Myanjin slash Brisbane visited the offices of Indu Financial Services Limited to express disgust and class rage at the shameless corporate exploiter of the poor. The group operated under the moniker Irredeemable Nihilist Druggies, unashamedly embracing sabotage plus undermining capitalist killer systems, which spell out, of course, the words Indu sucks, unquote. There is more detail about how Indu is terrible, but really that first paragraph is all we need to know. The only thing that could have made this action better is if they spray painted with urine, but, you know, DNA testing and legibility and all that. One way or another, one day we'll all wear masks from CrimeThink. A poster taking images of people in China wearing masks to block the coronavirus and putting below them rioters in gas masks or balaclavas. Pithy! Quote, if we resign ourselves to the future implied by catastrophic climate change, widespread pollution, and ecological collapse, sooner or later the disaster will come for us. In some parts of the world, people are already forced to wear masks when they leave the house just to protect themselves from poisoned air, toxic waste, or infectious conditions, unquote. Cindy and CrimeThink both know that there's a trope of the figure that stands on street corners shouting that the end of the world is nigh, right? It may even be a cliche. Greece. Gayer squatters say the best days have yet to come, from Freedom News UK. Many stories about fugitives this week. Quote, 
On August 26th, the squat Gare was evicted for the second time in two years and then bricked up. Gare was one of the first targeted because the job of the state is to smash the most radical parts of the movement in order to clear the way for further repression and pacification. The state is trying through law and police oppression to put a straitjacket on the furious body of the oppressed peoples. In October, after a robbery action which led to the finding of a weapons cache, including the weapons of revolutionary self-defense, D was forced on the run and made a fugitive by the state, unquote. So many states are targeting us through our friends. Maybe we should Facebook friend our enemies. Just kidding. Audio and video. Hands off Exarchia, New Democracy's War on Anarchists. Five minutes from Submedia. I am not sure what this video's purpose is. Quote, featuring interviews with Pangiatis Vratalis of the squat Lelis Karagianis 37, this extremely short video features some softcore riot porn while the interviewee briefly covers what has been going on in Exarchia since the new government was elected. I guess if you knew nothing about Exarchia, this might whet your appetite to learn more. Also, not sure why someone took the time to overlay fake VHS distortion over the intro, but apparently questions abound with this piece. Oak Journal, Rejecting the World Society Paradigm, an hour and 36 minutes from the Oak Audio Zine on SoundCloud. Jesus. There are far too many dynamics and microdynamics in this conversation to be covered by a short blurb, so here are some highlights. Jay-Z brings out his favorite straw men to knock around, calling out all you goddamn defeatist, nihilist, egoist, postmodern pedophiles. Disgusting. Bellamy talks about pan-secessionism and backwoods too. Jay-Z throws a not-so-subtle fast jacket on an unnamed until almost the end of the episode enemy, LBC and Aragorn. Bellamy defends free speech absolutism, calls out wannabe authoritarian, quote, pearl clutchers, unquote, and attempts to clear up misconceptions about Itasa. Jay-Z continues trying to talk over Bellamy, thereby winning arguments through sheer volume. Bellamy talks about, dun-dun-dun, moral realism. The host and Jay-Z agree that all of them probably agree on things, cause reasons. This episode really made my head spin and certainly created the largest amount of comments I've seen in a while, both on its own thread and on the piece Rhea wrote in response to Jay-Z slash BF's comments on vegan primitivism. Alan Maximoyne's story, 28 minutes from A-Infos, short interview with the now deceased, quote, longtime anarchist activist and founder of the worker solidarity movement, Alan Maximoyne. The word anarchism is used throughout the blurb that accompanies this video, but the actual content of the interview is entirely about strikes, political parties, rights, etc. So maybe not such a long-term anarchist. Final straw, anarchy and indigenous resistance to AMLO in Mexico, an hour and 45 minutes from the final straw. Quote, an anarchist living in Mexico talks about the reign of the Morena party of Andres Manuel López Obrador, a.k.a. AMLO, a new face of capitalism it presents, its relation to social movements and indigenous resistance to the regime, unquote. As you perhaps notice, that quote contains no reference to anarchy, and that fact holds true for almost the entirety of this episode. I will definitely applaud the interviewee for giving a lot of context slash info on current events in Mexico, a place that remains so mystified for many North American anarchists. However, the only time anarchism is discussed substantively is almost an hour and a half in. This is definitely a shame, as the Anarchist Days event discussed sounds like it could be really interesting for English speakers to attend. Also, episode ends with Sean Swain, which on the one hand, yay, Sean! But on the other, one does not simply bump Sean Swain to the outro. Immediatism episode, What Does the World Desire? by Bellamy Fitzpatrick. 57 minutes from Immediatism podcast, a reading of, quote, What Does the World Desire? The Case for Panpsychism by Bellamy Fitzpatrick originally appeared in Backwoods 2, a journal of autochthonous anarchy, unquote. Audio! Reading! 
I love reading books, it's fun. I often read them with my mum. I like reading to explore. There's no better way, I'm sure. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written by Jackie and Greg and read by Chisel and Greg. Editorial by Greg. To learn more, anarchist and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other material are available at lowblackheart.com for news by and or about anarchist and up-to-minute commentary. See you at anarchistnews.org and or the anarchist news IRC chat room link on news. I love reading. When I'm sitting on my bed, I go exploring in my head to never want me feel bad. I go to hotels with a friend, and also on the way, you're getting hit away to some moments in the evening. That's a night of lightning, but down the ladder, all the boys, the cleaning inside the boys, to mommy.